0: You're listening to The Trailblazers Podcast, Episode 84, with Dr. Clarence Lee, Jr. You're listening to The Trailblazers Podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Hey Blazer Nation, what's up? It's Stephen Hart here. I'm recording this welcome message pretty late for my team on a Friday night out in Anaheim, California. I just finished up an amazing week here attending podcast movement and I first want to start this off by thanking everyone that shared a message of support, said a prayer, and just reached out and encouraged me stepping into this past week here. One of my goals for this year was to deliver my very first public speech. I did so at Podcast Movement. I spoke on the topic of branding, marketing, and growing your amazing podcast while still working a full-time job. The room was packed solid. Before I got on stage, there was not a single seat left open. People were sitting on the floor and standing across the back of the room. Guys, this was me over the past month, 100% removed from my comfort zone, 100% living in my fear and saying I was going to do it anyway, right? I made a decision to give everything I had in me to serving anyone who was going to walk into that room last Thursday morning, and I was not prepared. I was absolutely not prepared to end a presentation and have a line of people telling me that it was the best presentation they'd heard at the conference, but that happened. And it happened not once or twice, but several times from the point I ended my presentation, my talk to the end of the conference. And I'm humbled. I'm truly humbled. I had to fight back tears several times over since Thursday, just knowing that I gave something, I gave my all to serving this audience. And despite... Knowing that I was seriously fearful that I was going to bomb, I was seriously fearful of things that weren't real right but I made a decision I was going to do it anyway I was going to eat that fare for breakfast on Thursday morning and step up on stage and thank you to my other podcast friends Amy J of the Chasing Dream podcast and Karen Reed of Carry On Friends and Donald Kelly of the Sales Evangelist podcast and so many other people listen the Pods in Color community was out and repped and supported me and you know I just appreciate podcast movement for showing me love and giving me an opportunity to stand on their stage and to deliver my first talk. And so many people didn't believe that, you know, it was my first time speaking on a stage and were just encouraged by the content. And that just filled my heart and still does in a big way. So I appreciate everyone who was in attendance and definitely there's going to be so much more to share in on that topic i just can't do it justice in this welcome message just wanted to share the excitement with you guys and let you know to expect a solo show really soon where i can talk about the lessons that i learned through this entire experience and also to share with you what i've got cooking i have some things that are coming down pretty soon and really excited to share that out with you and have you help me out with seeing that come to reality and realizing yet another goal on that vision board. So let's talk about our featured guest for today, guys. We are talking today. I had a conversation with Dr. Clarence Lee Jr. He is a nationally celebrated author and international speaker. He's a business owner. He runs a personal development brand that conducts seminars on high performance and mental conditioning for teams, organizations, and students. Amazing that he has degrees in medicine and an MBA, as well as being a Decorated war veteran who served in the United States Air Force for 10 years with several assignments, the last of which being a flight surgeon, where he was treating aviators and flying the T 38 and U 2 airframes at Beale Air Force Base. And he's an author, as I mentioned before, his newest book, Persist How to Beat the Things That Make Us Quit, is going to be released this fall. And we also share a common honor. We were both recipients of the Black Enterprise Modern Man Award. We are both recipients in the 2016 class. And so let's go ahead, guys. Blazer Nation, share this up. Hit share in your podcast app. Tell your community that there is an amazing story that they need to hear about Dr. Clarence Lee Jr. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram after you've had a chance to listen to today's episode. Let me know what you enjoyed most about the content and about the message and the inspiration and the wisdom that you took away. Our handle on social is at TBPod. And with that said, let's dive into today's episode and hear some nuggets of wisdom from Dr. Clarence Lee Jr. Enjoy. Clarence, welcome and thank you for being our featured Trailblazer today, brother.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I am excited to share with the Trailblazer community.
0: That's real. That's what I'm talking about. You know, I first became aware of you and your platform we were actually both i believe 2016 inductees into the black enterprise modern men and you know just really excited to be able to share your story and encourage some of the other brothers in our community with some wisdom today right
1: yeah yeah i remember us connecting i didn't get to see you at that event but uh hopefully we'll connect it one soon
0: absolutely absolutely so you know, I don't know much about your backstory. Where did you actually grow up? So I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri. I grew up a lot of places,
1: actually. Moved around quite a bit. My dad was in the military. And then we moved. Once my parents divorced, we moved every couple of years, either it'd be from job or my mom remarried. So moved around quite a bit, was always the new kid. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I enjoyed that and learned and was influenced by every part of the country that I lived in, but mostly the Midwest and the South, that's where I was raised.
0: So was your dad in the Air Force as well?
1: My dad was a Marine, actually. Wow. Um, yeah, he he told me to go Air Force. But, really? uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. my dad was a Marine.
0: Wow. So, you know, growing up and having all the experiences you did, being in different places, was there anything that you think you were born to do, like, you know, that you really were inspired by at an early age?
1: Yeah, just, you know... Connecting with people, honestly, I realized that was a talent of mine very, very early. And it was something that I think I developed actually out of necessity because being a new kid all the time, you didn't really have, if I weren't able to go up and talk to somebody, I I wouldn't have had any friends. So I learned really early, just being open and nice and smiling. And it was easy for me to make friends. And so I just grew a passion for people and connecting with people.
0: In all these different places, is there anyone that's memorable to you that was influential in your life growing up?
1: I would say all of them. If I had to pick one place, oh my goodness. If I had to pick one spot, I'd probably just highlight Memphis, Tennessee. I did high school in Memphis and uh, most of my high school buddies are there now, but I'd probably say Memphis for a few reasons, but one, it was a really, really segregated town (laughs) and being the place where Dr. King was killed. And it was, I just saw a huge chiasm between where people lived in the city. And I was fortunate enough to go to a school that wasn't in my neighborhood. And so I went to a majority school and I was one of the few there. And I'll probably say that shaped me a lot as far as my ability just to reach across lines and make men's with people and just try to see what was common in between everybody. And so that, that's kind of, I'd probably say that's the place that shaped me the most, my personality the most, just being a people person and being able to fit in with whoever I was around.
0: Right. So you've worn so many different hats and uh, you know, I'm curious to know why medicine, what brought you in that direction?
1: Yeah. So uh, my mom was a nurse. So she introduced uh-huh. me to medicine really, really early. And that's one of the things that I push in a lot of my messages is she found me a mentor, actually a, a, a brother. He's a surgeon, a general surgeon, a Dr. Moncure. I'll never forget him. She introduced me to him at 17 and I was scrubbing in on surgeries at uh, at 17. So he took me wow. under his wing, let me into his OR, treated me like I belonged there. And so since the age of 17, I knew I was I was going to do medicine. And a big part of that is because I actually saw people that looked like me doing
0: the very thing that I wanted to do. Love that, love that. So you also did an MBA, which came first?
1: The MD came first. So I went through medicine. I'll tell you how I got to the MBA piece. I went through medical school, started my surgery training. I realized that lifestyle was probably the most important thing to me. Opposed to being the king surgeon in the operating room, so mm. I pulled out of general surgery training and uh, went to the school of aerospace medicine, and that's how I did the flight surgeon thing with the Air Force. Got it. But when business school came in, is as I started to practice medicine, I realized that I didn't know how to run a hospital, and I felt like something was kind of wrong with that. I mean, <laughs> I'm a doctor, right. and the structure that the physician works in is a hospital, but I had no idea how to run a hospital, how a hospital runs, regulations, budgets, how the money came. I knew nothing. Medical school is really good at teaching you not to kill people, which is good. Yes. <laughs> but uh, they don't really teach anything about the business, uh, the entity that you work within. And mm. so I realized that I said, hey, you know, the CEO is really the man. He's got 5000 doctors working for him in academia. The MD is the man, you know, and you're in training that the doctors, the guru guy, he's the head. But when you get out in the real world, you're an employee of a large institution and the business, the business part, the business is running it. Yes. So, and I re- I realized I wanted to to learn about business and I'm, I figured an MBA would be a good place to start.
0: Now, looking back, are you happy that you did that?
1: Absolutely. I'm happy. I look at all things as a journey, honestly. And I still practice medicine now, I practice medicine part time. You do? I do. Yeah, uh, I do. I, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I do occupational medicine. So it's as corporate as medicine gets. So (laughs) I work with large employers and I try to keep their workers' comp costs down. So a lot of these large employers, they're self-insured. They don't need an insurance company to pay the bill. They make so much money they can pay cash for their healthcare expense of their, their employees. So long story short, healthcare is a budget line for them. Mm-hmm. And so having a provider that understands numbers and can talk, you know, dollars and cents with them, they really value that. So that's what I do now. So I absolutely, you know, I think everything's a part of the journey. I love having the MD. I love being a physician. I love the platform that it brings. Honestly, it has opened a ton of doors for me being a physician.
0: Is the MBA something that you would recommend to new doctors coming in, you know, at some point, maybe not directly, out oh, it's a med school, but at some point they should pursue that knowledge to help them prepare to maybe run their own practice at some point.
1: Absolutely. If you're now, now if you're running, if you're starting from scratch, mm-hmm. so I had no entrepreneur, no business experience at all. So I was not starting from any sort of footing in the business world. Right. So I would say an MBA is extremely valuable for you if you are starting from scratch you don't know anything and so I would go I would definitely go the MBA route now within MBAs there's kind of a rank structure so if you do have some sort of business you know acumen and you're looking to get the next stage up I mean there's specific business schools where your network is going to be a lot you know worth a lot more than the edu- the MBA you know curriculum that you're going to get but the network you're going to get access to is also valuable. So that's something I would consider, especially for physicians. If you're thinking about doing business, you know, think about that network. You're going to get a network of business minded people as well. So sometimes it's the education and the network.
0: Right, right. So I mentioned at the top of the episode, you're also an author and you authored a new book, which I believe is your second. That's coming out soon, right? And it's titled Persist, How to Beat the Things That Make Us Quit. When is that actually slated for release? So
1: September 1st is going to be coming out. So uh, I've been doing a huge pre pre pre-order launch campaign right now. And, you know, I'll tell you how I got to that and coming from, I didn't really come from a lot. So my dad, my parents divorced when I was really small. It was just my mom just kind of guiding me through life. And it didn't really come from a lot. You know, when my parents were married, my mom didn't work and it was kind of a traditional, he was a breadwinner. And when he left, everything left with it. So, you know, there were times we lost our house didn't have lights, water, all Mm. those things. So I I went through that growing up. And so I thank God I had my mom and I I talked about how she influenced me, but there were other influences in my life as well. You know, the neighborhood where I was, who the Kings were in, in that world. And so me going into medicine was really a big stretch for me. It was something that, you know, people close to me, no one in my family had a four year degree. No one in my family had been into medicine and it was really hard for me to get into medical school. So it took me five years to get into medical school. I applied to medical school over five hundred times. Every medical what? school that I could possibly yeah. You applied five
0: hundred times?
1: Yeah. Every medical school I could apply to for five years, there's over a hundred in the US. And so I applied and so and kept applying. And huh. You know, for me, persistence is the absolute number one key for success. And if I did not teach myself how to keep going when things did not go well, if I did not figure out how to do that, I would have folded a long, long time ago, man. And so for me, everything that I've been able to do has been based in one very simple principle, and that is not giving up. And so this idea of persistence and resilience and grit, I think, is a hugely, hugely missed thing in the marketplace now or missed in understanding how important it is.
0: Mm. So what's your aim for this book?
1: My aim is really just to have a practical guide for people to really analyze and look at things that have made them turn away from their vision for their life what excuse did you give yourself or how did you convince yourself that it was time to quit on your dream? And so I kind of, as I was doing research for the book, I just kind of had conversations with tons of people just talking about, you know, a lot of people, in my family, a lot of people that I came across. You know, I'm a a talker. I I, I like (laughs) talking to people. And I just kind of gathered, you know, a top 10 list of the excuses that I heard people, you know, tell me after they told me what they were passionate about and what they really wanted to do. Then typically there came an excuse or there came a reason why they weren't living that dream, mm-hmm. and so this book I'm just going through practically the top ten things, the top ten excuses that I heard as I was doing my research, what ended up making people quit, and I'm debunking them, man. I'm just going through every chapter. First of all, giving counter logic, and then second, you know, bringing in some of the research and, and putting exercises in there
0: so people can outgrow those excuses. So what are some of these excuses? Let's maybe talk about that a bit.
1: So I got top 10, but there are things like, I'm scared. You know, I'm scared is probably one of the biggest ones. Fear keeps a lot of people in their box.
0: Absolutely. So I
1: talk about how to beat fear. I'm scared. It's not the right timing. I don't have <laughs> enough time. I don't have enough time. I don't know how. I tried already and it didn't work. I'm comfortable. I got a comfortable life, man. Why, why am I gonna risk all this and go after this quote unquote dream that's not guaranteed I'm comfortable? You know, timing. I'm too old. I'm too young. People say, well, I missed my time or I'm too old now. I can't do it now. Uh, So those are some of the top excuses that I go through in the book.
0: Wow. So walk us through a process, right, for maybe creating a mindset where we're able to persist and be those things that, as you said, make us quit.
1: So the first thing that's coming to my mind is since we're talking about failure, because I already kind of talked about how I failed a bunch. And and this is how you build a mindset around failure, because a lot of people, you know, you try something and you fail. The first thing that some people do is they will say that that failure is them. I'm the failure. Hmm. And so one of the mind mental mind state shifts that I did was I would objectify the outcome in myself. So I would separate myself from the outcome. Yes. So if I failed, if my application failed, that admissions committee, they didn't know me. They had never met me. I don't even think they saw a picture of me. They did not know who I was. All they knew was that application and that application I could change. And so every time I failed at something, I looked and I said, how can I make this situation better? How can I improve? How can I gather information?" reapply, right? Change that application and change what they saw, right? So they can make a different decision based on a different application. And so for me, it was a number of things to get into medical school. I mean, it was GPA, it was changing my extracurriculars, it was going back and taking classes, it was personal statement, it was even calling some schools, you know, so I looked at failure as something that I could learn from, and something that I could adjust and try again. Try a different strategy to get a different result. So that that's just one of the ways that I teach when it say, you know, oh, I failed and I tried, and I, you know, that's the excuse that you told yourself. Well, I gave it a good shot. I would say, well, how can you make that good shot a better shot and try again?
0: So instead of looking at it a final or end outcome, you're more so looking at it as a lesson. What did you learn, and how can you optimize and step forward from there? Love that. You know, I'm wondering if and. We all are afraid, right? Uh, we all have yep. fears. It's not that the fear goes away. It's that we learn how to, to step into it, right? And allow ourselves to get out of the comfort zone and deal with it. Do you yourself, as I said, we all have it. Do you, do you still have fears right now? What keeps you Ab- up at night? Absolutely. So,
1: I mean, for me just not living up to my potential is probably mm. what i would say worries me the most and so everybody's multi talented i think one of the mindsets in society today is that you're just supposed to do one thing or what do you do people ask you what do you do like <laughs> uh, well um,
0: i just say i'm jamaican it, and i do like right, 10 things <laughs> you know and so uh,
1: yeah you know but a lot of people they're not comfortable Doing many things, and it's not like, oh, you dabble here, you dabble here, and don't really get success in one area. But my thing is, you know, when I tell people all the time, they go, Wow, aren't you a doctor? Why are you doing all this other stuff? And I'm like, Okay, listen, the doctor is just one thing that I do, I do that well, but I also have other interests that I want to do in life. So, here's the idea with fear I say to myself, the very things, and I'm trying to figure out where I heard this from. Actually, I think the first time I read this was in Tim Ferriss's four hour work week mm. book. But it was this idea of, you know, the things that you're afraid of, those are actually the things that you need to do. Yes. And so I love that. I love that. And so when I started to adapt that into my life, going after the very things that I was fearful of, I realized that my fear box then got bigger. Because if I was just afraid to say, I don't know, have a conversation with somebody or have somebody tell me no if I'm pitching myself for a speaker or something, you know, and I was afraid of that, then I could never go and have that conversation and I could never grow my speaking business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's either, you know, and it's either man up and face that fear and go ahead and feel that gut wrenching, you know, anxiety provoking situation. You go ahead and get it out of the way. Because the second time, you don't have that same reaction. You're not as scared. The first time you go in the conversation, oh, it hurts. You might sweat. You might feel real bad. But you gain strength, right? You gain resilience. And you're able to go back and do it again. And so, you know, the first time I went on live TV, I was afraid. Now I go on once a month, man. And it's like I don't even think twice about it, mm. you know. Same thing in the Air Force, man. When I first learned how to fly jets. I was so afraid of acceleration and all of the maneuvers, but the first time I flew two times in one day, I had no fear, you know, because I had already been up once that day and then we took off again and, you know, you build this tolerance. And so, you know, I just think with fear, man, you got to seek what you fear and you have to crush that fear box, man. You can't live in it your whole life.
0: Love that. So let's make that practical, right? So what are some daily actions that you take that maybe some of the people listening right now can do, can take to build confidence and be a reminder for them that it's okay and it's necessary to push ahead?
1: The first thing I would say is risk rejection. Mm. So in any area of your life where you're pitching something or you have to sell something or you have to tolerate some sense of rejection. And so the easiest thing for me was, you know, sales calls. So selling, I'd probably say would be the best way, one of the easiest practical ways to build resilience is just to go and try to sell something and take no's from people, Mm -hmm. right? Because you take the no, you take the no, you take the no, you take the no, and you get better and better and better at your pitch. So the practical thing I would do is say, you know, if you're trying to grow a business, pick up the phone, start making some sales calls. If you're trying to, if you want to start a business and you don't know how to grow your business, start offering your services to people. Just start offering it to them and risking that rejection. So once you start to fear less, you know, fear rejection less, you open the doors for your destiny, I feel.
0: And also, too, as you do that, every objection you hear, you're understanding again, you're learning how yep. to optimize your pitch the next time you deliver and try to pitch, right? And Absolutely. It just, it's easier every single time. And I love that. And at the end of the day, why are you trying to help people in this way? How will it make their lives better?
1: So for me, man, my biggest pain in life, in the world that I see is when I interact with somebody that is not living their vision or that is not actualizing their fullest potential. And this is what not what I think they can do or what I know they can do. The most pain is when that individual expresses that they know they can do more, but they've accepted less for their life. And so for me, growing up in the environment that I grew up in, didn't grow up with a lot of money, drugs. I saw everything (laughs) that you see in R-rated movies. I saw all of that by five or six, man. Like, and so the reason I say that is because I want people to have a context of where I'm coming from. So it's like for me to say I wanted to be anything more than what I saw was massive. Mm -hmm. And so for me to see the spectrum, how far I've come, and then to see someone else accepting or compromising in their life, it's painful. And so it's my mission, and I feel like that's why I've been put on this earth, is to help people see who they really are, see what's really possible for their life, and then give them the tools that they're going to need to make
0: that happen. Absolutely. And with that said, you're a dad of three kids. Yeah, (laughs) And as a father as well, I have two. How do we teach these principles to our kids?
1: I would say the first thing that comes to my mind is I read a book. I think the book is named Grit. Grit's the name of the book. It's an amazing book. The researcher in the book, she talked about this idea of having your children do a hard thing. And I loved it because for me, without knowing what I was actually doing, for me, the hard thing was teaching myself how to play basketball. Hmm. So basketball in the neighborhood, was that was what you, look, if you wanted to be somebody, you needed to know how to hoop. It was instant (laughs) street cred if you could hoop. And so I wanted to be a basketball player because that's who was the man where I grew up. And so, but basketball didn't come natural to me. I was small, I was little. I played in college. I was one of the smallest guys on the team. So I really had to work hard at it. And so this was something that, you know, for me, it didn't come natural at all. And so every day I had to go and shoot, and shoot, 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 and dribble, 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 shoot, 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 play, play, play. And I eventually got to where I could play at a competitive level. And so I think with children, they can't just hover toward what they're good at because they're not going to get the skills of grit and resilience and persistence that it's going to take when they run up against something hard. Mm -hmm. So I say start training them early when they're young, make them (laughs) or convince them in however parental way that you feel is okay to choose to do something hard, whether that be, you know, play an instrument. My wife played an instrument. My wife plays two instruments. She plays the guitar and the clarinet. For me, it was basketball. So whatever it is, pick a hard thing and let them struggle and go through that hard thing and see what hard work can get them. And so, is that I mean, I would you're, say that, you're, that's...
0: you're trying to do your three?
1: Absolutely. So, my daughter, my 11 year old,
0: she's a dancer.
1: You know, she loves all types of dance jazz, tap, ballet, wow. hip hop. She's in everything. She's on a traveling team. She's really, really good. But one of the things that is the kind of the best for a dancer is kind of the foundations of ballet. But mm-hmm. ballet is like, it's extremely hard. <laughs> and yes. so she does not like doing ballet but she has to do that as a discipline. Right. So that's her hard thing. And my two boys, they're too young. I got two and <laughs> one. I, I haven't got a hold of them yet, but uh, it's it's coming for them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> this is your second book. And I wanted to pick your brain from a marketing side. What do you think is going to be the best platform for you to be able to promote this new book?
1: Honestly, I'm trying everything. Um, I mean, if it's from podcast interviews to you know, blogging about the contents of the book to speaking, you know, speaking is one of the biggest money makers in my business right now is is going out and sharing this message about persistence and teaching people about resilience. But, you know, I I honestly, I don't know what's going to be the thing that makes it, you know, the hit. But I think the message, you know, for authors that are out there, you know, what I learned from my first book was just understanding that the messaging has to be clear on the title, what the title, what the subtitle is, people have to know, what the book's about. It has to be, you know, simple enough for an average person to pick it up and say, "Oh, I get this book. I understand why I should read this book." Right. And so the reason why I went about writing it this way is because I can almost guarantee you, the majority of people are going to be able to relate to something in their life where they wanted to quit.
0: Mm-hmm. So you touched on speaking. I'm a budding speaker and I have yeah. a couple of engagements later this year. I'm preparing for now. Any advice or tips on how to go about preparing for that big speech?
1: You know, uh, yes. I would say the, the one thing, which is probably the most cliche advice, but I did not learn to actually do this until I have been speaking for probably about five years. Wow. And that is be yourself. Yes. I cannot stand on the soapbox enough. If somebody brings you in to speak, they want to see you. They don't want to see some polished I think this is what I should say. I heard this speaker say it this way, or this was a good story. That is not what they want. They want to see you. So, if you're a speaker, you're getting ready to go into the speaking business. The best thing you could do is show your complete self and be comfortable with yourself. And so, for me, I'll give you an easy, practical way. When I first started speaking, the very first speech I gave, no, actually, not the first, the second speech I gave, I showed up in my white coat. I was this doctor, Dr. Lee. Surgery resident, and I am here to speak to you about what you can do with your life. (laughs) Listen, dude, it was the worst talk I gave. Oh my gosh, the white coat was like (laughs) suffocating me. I could not get out of the box that I was this doctor, I was representing the profession. And oh my gosh, if I did anything, so I never wore it again. And I dressed how I would normally dress because the MD was just one of the things, but I was the person, right? Yes. The MD was just one of the things that I brought to the table. So it was just one of my expertise. So honestly, dude, I would say work on being yourself, be comfortable, trust that yourself is enough because look, you know, some people call it ebonics, but you know, I use slang right. and at first I was not comfortable. Speaking the way that I would speak if I was having a normal conversation with somebody on the street or somebody in the hood, something I would be saying to them. I felt like I could not talk like that on stage because I thought it was going to, in some way, you know, hurt my credibility or something. Uh And it's like, listen, man, I got the degrees, I've got the titles, I've got all this. They need to see you. You are enough. You are fine.
0: Right. You know? And so, yeah, that would be
1: what I would say to you, man. Just be unapologetically you. When you get on that stage.
0: That's right. That's right. Man, I could talk to you for like another half hour, brother. (laughs) I know we have to wrap up. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we love to have all our trailblazers. And, you know, I I want to invite you to share one action that everyone listening and jumping off this episode right now should do this week to begin to help them to blaze their trail.
1: I would say I'm a real huge believer in visualization. Mm -hmm. And I would just encourage everybody to take the time out every single day. If you can do it in the morning, visualize your highest self, whatever that is to you, whether that be you making an impact in this specific community, or you making this type of money, or you interacting with this sort of crowd, visualize your highest self, even when you don't believe it. I mean, the reason why I'm saying this is because the world, you know, I feel like there's an epidemic, there's a lack of enthusiasm and motivation in the world. People, they're not real comfortable when people are excited about things. Like, man, why are you all excited? Or, you know, you got to be drunk or something to be like happy about life, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I would just say visualize your highest self, do not compromise that vision. And that vision that you see, when you really give yourself the gift of seeing yourself at your highest self. That vision that you see is truly who you are. So believe that vision, give yourself that vision every single day and convince yourself that that is possible. And once anything comes in your way that is blocking or tells you that that is not possible, go back to that vision and always believe it. So I would say just make sure you envision your highest self every single day, no matter what.
0: Clarence, loving this content, Virgin. This is awesome. This is great stuff. Tell us how we can stay connected to you. I'll wrap up for today.
1: Yeah, so my website's clarenceleadjr.com. So you can check me out there. If folks are interested in hearing more about the book, I've mm-hmm. got some great bonuses. If you want to pre order the book, I've got a companion course that I'm giving away with it. Tons of bonuses. So if you want to get information about the book, just go to clarenceleadjr.com forward slash. Persist, and you can learn about the book and connect with me there.
0: Fantastic, Clarence! Thank you so very much, man. Lots of wisdom, lots of sound bites. As I'm listening to your talk today, I'm like, man, that's gonna go on Instagram on a graphic. <laughs>
1: so, oh, man, this was great, man. I appreciate the opportunity, and you know, I love what you're doing with the podcast. I love the whole, all the intent about it. I love everything around it, man. So, I'm gonna do everything I can to support you, and just thanks for giving me the platform.
0: Appreciate you, brother well that's it for today thanks again for listening to this episode of the trailblazers podcast i'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at TBpod.com. if today was your first time listening to the trailblazers podcast i just want to extend a warm trailblazers welcome to you we're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, or colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved